What is up, good people? Welcome back to the Church of Holy Shit and the Temple for All the Saints and the Aints, also known as Holy Shit Pod, a holy irreverent, irreverently holy conversation about spirituality, culture, and the world. I am the host who introduces himself first. Some call me the Holy Mother Shut Your Mouth. Others call me the Supreme Pontiff and Sovereign of the Holy City of Pod. But you can call me Brandon T. Maxwell. I've known you for a long time. No one has ever called you any of those things. You called me the Holy Mother Shut Your Mouth. Oh, yeah, I did call you that. In your face. <laughs> I'm going to keep my titles from last week. They call me the Platinum Virgin Mother, Queen of All Patriarchs, Lesbian Most Faithful, and Her Beatitude. The Reverend Mother Superior Karen Teresa Ricks. That was a mouthful. I just want you all to know I'm probably one of the most humble people that you have ever met. Titles don't mean a thing to me. He's still talking about that. I've been called a lot of things. Just don't call me late for dinner. I am the most holy reverend. I am. The humblest. I am. I'm telling you what I am. But you can call me Sam because I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody. Yes, Shata! About somebody who can save, save anybody. anybody. My God, today. My God. Katie is looking like, I have no idea what is happening right now. <laughs> today, the category is colonizer realness. We're talking about proselytization and evangelism and the connection between sharing your faith and sharing your empire. We have a question from Lerato Mama D all the way out of Cape Town, South Africa, and we cannot wait to discuss it. But before we get there, we have a few church announcements for the good of the congregation. So with that, let's get into it. Glad to be in the service. Glad to be in the service. Glad to be in the service. One more time. Let's move forward. Oh. We ain't got much time. <laughs> Our first church announcement comes from the MAGA ministry. Sarah Palin says she is not vaccinated because she believes in science. Now, before you go get your panties in a wad, remember, this is also the person who said they could see Russia from their home. Well, you got to break that down, though. What you mean? She had to explain that. Like, she had to say what that means. She called herself one of those white common sense conservatives and cited her own recovery from COVID-19 as scientific proof. Okay. So she's not getting vaccinated because she got COVID-19 and she didn't die and recovered. So that means science says she shouldn't be vaccinated. That's how that works. So that's white common sense conservatism? That's what I heard her say. Oh, okay. So those other people who have gotten COVID-19 a couple times and the like people who have died are not science. This reminds me when uh, the Republican senator from Oklahoma, Jim Inhofe, brought a snowball into the Senate chambers to disprove global warming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it's snowing where you are, that means the world ain't getting hotter. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. In less common sense conservative news, last week, President Biden moved to require roughly 100 million Americans to get vaccinated against the coronavirus, including federal employees, healthcare workers, and some private sector staff. He's requiring nearly 100 million people in the United States to be vaccinated. He said, no more Mr. Nice Biden. You have to get vaccinated. I'm tired of being nice like your grandpa. Well, we, that's funny. I, I like that. Was it actually funny or were you being sarcastic? She was being sarcastic. I mean, you know, 
It was cute. Oh, you're cute, Brandon. I know I'm cute, but was it funny? It was a little funny. You're cuter than you are funny. <laughs> I was just going for the the logic that all of these other pandemics that have actually died out because people are vaccinated. So it's remarkable and it's unremarkable. But I think it's important to note the legal strategy for the Biden administration. Biden can't say all you companies, all you corporations, you must be vaccinated XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so they go through OSHA to say that this is a workplace safety issue. If you are a large company, you have to ensure the safety of your employees by requiring these vaccinations. I know a lot of the commentators have said that this is a genius strategy to go through OSHA with this mandate. Yes, it is a bold move by OSHA. And I don't know why people are complaining about it. This is how we get rid of pandemics. I'm trying to get vaccinated like four or five times. Like, give me all the doses. I'll give me one Johnson & Johnson. Give me one Moderna. Give me one Pfizer. I'll even take AstraZeneca. And then give me a small dose of COVID. Did you hear, though, that the FDA um, voted 11 to 2 to not recommend booster shots, except for people who are high risk or over 65. Yes, I saw that. I'm high risk. He is high risk in everything. But I all, I, I had to sell my Pfizer stock when I read that. <laughs> Come on, stocks. <laughs> and the fact that they said Moderna is better than Pfizer, I said, hell, I, I invested in the, in the wrong one. Listen, if these senators are making money off these vaccines, I might as well make a little money too. I know? ain't mad at you. But in real life, like Moderna was taking people out. I got the Pfizer vaccine. My partner got the Moderna vaccine. That man was laid out for like three days. And I was like, I'm good. We should have known it work better then when it was laying people out. We should have been like, give me that. But I got a strategy. When I go get my booster shot, I'm going to be like, can I get my diner? <laughs> Is it going to work like that? Can you get any booster? If I walk in like that and show them a little shoulder, can I get my diner? No, no. No. Have you seen your shoulders? So our next church announcement comes from Pastor Sam. So yeah, I know it seems like it's been 20 years since we had the last election, but it hadn't been that long. However, we're still litigating it. Cyber Ninjas, this crazy company. What you call me? I called you a cyber ninja. (laughs) Crazy thing is, even though we're well into the Biden administration, we're still litigating the results of the election. Just Last week, Maricopa County, the largest county in Arizona, reached an agreement with the Republican-controlled Senate to turn over servers to a third party instead of turning them over to Cyber Ninjas, a corporation who's running the audit, who has no experience in auditing elections, and who also supported the crazy claims that the election was stolen. Now these servers are going to be turned over to a third party. The third party is a retired Republican senator from the state of Arizona. Sounds like a Freudian slip. He's going to be able to hire his own people to kind of go through those servers and see if there was any vote switching or all these things that the Republican Senate alleges happened during the previous elections. Like, this is crazy. So this is like white common sense conservatism. And by common sense, it means no sense, nonsense, like dumb sense. Because like, you can't just say whatever the hell you want to say and that make it real. Like, I feel like what Donald Trump and the Republican Party of 2021 have given white Americans permission to do is to just say whatever they want whenever they want to. And that makes it true. No matter how many times you say something, there are always going to be facts to determine whether or not what you're saying is true. What are y'all doing, Republicans? How in the world 
Are you sitting in Arizona still trying to challenge the results of the 2020 election? And we're almost into like 2022. Because white common sense conservatives are not actually interested in governing. They're not actually interested in doing anything. So they're actually interested in protecting themselves and keeping the institution going. This is just another example of that. They're not looking at ways that they could make life better for people. They're spending time... Making life worse for people. Right. Making life worse for people. Absolutely. The next announcement is about a tragic situation that happened on August 29th in Afghanistan, a couple days before the U.S. did their final pullout of, can't say pullout anymore around you people. You people. You guys are men. I'm offended. You're not offended? (laughs) I am offended. Right. (laughs) And Brandon's a gay man, which means, you know, he ain't got to pull out. I mean, (laughs) it depends. I was hoping that part wouldn't go in the episode, and now I know it is going to. A couple days before the United States finished their final withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan. They pulled out. (laughs) (laughs) This is not even a funny thing at all. Oh, it's not. This is a serious topic. Hold on. Let's take a deep breath before. This is a very horrible thing. Uh, Yeah, we're sorry. We're sorry. Don't put any of this in the edit. We don't have a script today, y'all. So I'm sorry. I didn't know where she was going, but I just got stuck on pullout. So this is a serious moment. Somber. Don't put this in the edit. It will be there. I shan't pull it out. <laughs> Girl, we're going to have to save the old announcement for next week because I'd feel so inappropriate laughing like this and there's no way to redeem it. So let's just go on to our last announcement and save yours for next week. So if you don't know, in this church, Lil Nas X is the minister of music, the overseer of worship, the archbishop of praise and worship. No, that's Sam. Did you see my face? Mm-hmm. That's me. That's me. Ah, you got mad. <laughs> the assistant archbishop of praise and worship. Is that, is that better? Yes. Okay. He reports to me. But wait a minute. So Sam, who doesn't believe in hierarchy or titles, just said, Lil Nas X, he reports to me. He humble. Oh, right, Mr. <laughs> humble. But give me a little select. Call me by your name. Give me to give it to me. Call me by your name. <laughs> Are you trying to be Rance Allen? Yeah, I'm trying to do my Rance Allen. Run. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Katie, we'll have to uh, bring you up to speed on who Rance Allen is. Right. We'll tell you about it after the, after the episode. Lil Nas X dropped his first album, y'all. For those of you who thought Old Town Road was a full album or Panini was a full album, those were just Go singles. That was just him giving us a little tape. Old Town Road. You're supposed to keep talking with me singing it in the background. I'm going to... Right but it's hard. It's, it's, I can't do it. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I just want to go with you. Um, <laughs> he released his first album and trolled all of America leading up to this album. And I have to say that for me, this was one of the most amazing, most beautiful, most exciting things that I've seen a black gay man do in the last five years. Yes. Yes. Montero Lamar Hill, a 22 year old black gay man from Georgia is like Killing it. As of Saturday of this past weekend, he was number two on Apple Music's charts. And it was just such a sensation. I was sitting there on Thursday night this week and I knew he was going to have something leading up to the album dropping at midnight. And sure enough, there was the Montero show model after like the Montel Williams show or Jerry Springer. And it was just creative and funny. And he went into labor on the talk show. And then there's another video of him being wheeled into the ER with his producers and co-writers like like checking on him and saying, you got this, man, you're going to be great. And then of course, there's all all these music videos, my favorite of which, I'm sorry, I'm fangirling right now. My favorite of which is That's What I Want. I need someone to love. That's my favorite video so far because 
he does like a little black Brokeback Mountain in there. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more. Brokeback Mountain was all of that. No, but it wasn't <laughs> where it, it wasn't in a gym locker room. It was like the tent scene. Correct. The tent scene. Yeah. So there was there was more than just the Brokeback Mountain remake. But I'm sorry. I have never had like this much love for an artist since CC Winans. When I was like a real, real good Christian and leading worship, never. I stand for CC Winans. You led worship, you was never a real good, good Christian. Bless you, Sam. <laughs> but so like he's like my new favorite artist, and I just love what he is doing. Did y'all listen to it, or do I need to get some old black gays on here to have this conversation with me? Oh, I listened to it. I definitely listened to it. I was watching the video at my daughter's um, cross-country race before she ran, and I was I realized that someone might look over my shoulder and see the video, and I thought, maybe this isn't the best place for me to watch it. Or maybe it is. No, be a witness, Katie. <laughs> maybe they'll see it, and you can say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me introduce you to our minister of music. <laughs> <laughs> what I appreciate about Lil Nas X is he is just who he is. Like, there was also a 48-minute interview with somebody from Apple Music. You watched every second of it. I watched every single second of it because what I was thinking about as a not 22-year-old black gay man is I didn't have this image growing up. Yeah. I didn't have an openly gay black man who was determining how he was going to embody his blackness and his gayness and defining that for himself. Yeah. Not fitting into a trope or a stereotype, but just being who he is out there on Front Street. Like my baby brother, who's like the hetero of heteros, he sent me a text like, are you listening to this little nice X album? It's fire. And I'm like, ain't it? I said, it, it ain't too gay for you. He said, it's real gay. But it's also fire. <laughs> and so this is something beautiful to me because he's taking something that for so long people have taught us to be ashamed of and he's just lifting it up. Mm-hmm. And if you read about it, these songs are deeply personal. It's him battling with depression, yeah. battling with his life story, wherein his mother was so addicted to substances that she couldn't connect with him and is still estranged from him. Like, this is a moving album. And it's like rivaling some of the shit that Madonna was doing back in the day. This is a whole production. Mm-hmm. I think it's up there with Beyonce. And the crazy thing is though, how the conversation now among Christian circles is about like the offense that people feel because this man is having a baby and they don't see everything that you just identified. And it's hard to have that conversation because these evangelical, and some of them ain't even evangelical because they screw in everybody and they, oh, oh, excuse me, I can't say that on your account. My God. There are some people not living up to their own standards, but they want to hold Old little not little and in Katie's um, the way she says his name. Yeah, except I don't say it that way anymore. You do, you do. Don't don't give me that shit. You so <laughs> they want to hold Lil Nas X to that same standard that they're not even willing to keep for themselves, and they miss all of that stuff that you just said. Right? I just I have listened to it. I was listening at the cross country meet also and dancing, which you know I'm sure was embarrassing for me. But <laughs> oh, I wish we could have recorded that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so uh, it takes me a while to process what my favorite song is. So I don't have a favorite, but I I do love the breadth of it, like his ability to do all kinds of different songs, to bring in all that different imagery, to capture the the depth of his emotions. I just am astonished by him as an artist. So Lil Nas X, we continue to have an open invitation for you to um, come to the Holy Shit Pod. You are already the Minister of Music. You've already provided us with the album for the rest of the year. And we are eager to welcome you with open arms to Holy Shit Pod. So please email holyshit at theolabmedia.com or you can just follow me on IG. My handle is at it's Brandon Maxwell and you can send me a DM and we can talk about it. That wraps up our church announcements. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll get right into the word of pod for the people of pod. Thanks, Thanks be to be pod. pod. So you used to speak fluent Spanish? 
I never knew this. No, no, no. Not say God be praised. She can't say that. <laughs> I did not speak fluent. But what, what is God in Spanish? Dios. El Dios. El Dios. Dios. Or El Señor. El Señor. El Señor. Why you gotta be a man? Uh, hey, I didn't write the language. Ooh, Spanish is racist. I mean, sexist. So is Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Alabanza, Alabanza, Don Dios Claudia, Alaban, Alabanza. That means praise to this. Yeah, oh my God, my God, my God. Is that in Spanish or is that in Portuguese? It's probably Portuguese. What is Lemon Will Miranda? Living with who? What, is, who, what, what ethnicity? He's Puerto Rican, I believe. So is Puerto Rican Spanish? Yes, it, it is. is. I know it is. So I'm trying to tell her. Oh, oh, you're trying to, okay. He was trying to be an ass. Yeah, he's good at that. People don't speak Puerto Rican. Check. People don't speak Cuban. I get that. Thank you. Welcome back from that quick break. We are now into the word of pod for the people of pod. And today's conversation comes to us from Larato Mamadi out of Cape Town, South Africa. Hi, Larato. Larato. I can't, I can't roll my tongue. I can't you do it. You just did it. <laughs> it sounded good. It wasn't good. Uh, your wife is South African. She has her own tongue. I got to say it like I'm from Alabama. Larato. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read a few snippets from Larato's email. I loved every bit of it. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I'm going to read the most essential components for our discussion today. Rato writes, Hi, Brandon, Kate, T, and Sam. I hope you are doing well. I just caught up on the last few episodes and missed the call to submit a question to celebrate this amazing podcast of yours. But I still do have a question about the merits of proselytizing the gospel. When I was a believer, I wanted to figure out why both Africa and South Africa were in constant turmoil. At that time, I thought that African people experienced turmoil because so many of us refused to accept an Israelite God, his son, and the Holy Spirit as the one true God, true in all caps, and instead insisted on upholding our, quote, evil, end quote, beliefs of ancestral veneration and acknowledging and worshiping our native gods. I believed that only the Christian God was the true way, and until everyone on the continent turned from their evil ways, God would continue to punish us for turning away from him. I've since had a change of heart, but I couldn't articulate my misgivings until I fell for a woman. I could not understand why a loving God would be against two women loving one another, but I assumed it was because God was all about heteronormativity and patriarchy. That ain't God. But my ancestors were fairly fluid in their expressions of both gender and sexuality. They seemed to be so happy in their beliefs and lives until missionaries came and told them they were evil. Hmm. So I'm conflicted. I truly believe that proselytizing and spreading the word of God are inherently evil. It has caused so many indigenous people to demonize and ultimately lose their culture in order to conform to a Christian culture that is mostly about damnation. There's no joy in that. I don't know if that made sense, but if you find the topic interesting, I would love to hear your thoughts. I hope each of you is blessed, happy, and healthy. Love. Lerato. I'm not sure that there are any benefits to proselytizing. I mean, of course, I didn't grow up in a church that did that. I, I grew up in the church that colonized people, but I don't— uh, So you grew up in the church that invented evangelism. Right. I guess we participated in it, but it wasn't part of like the ethos of my growing up, like proselytizing in the streets of— wherever we live. Our youth group time doesn't involve knocking on people's doors and asking if they know Jesus or if they've done the four-point prayer or whatever that is. I'm at a point in my life where I'm having even more struggles with the church, and I think what it, it continuously seeks to make itself stronger and take away 
anything that would challenge it. And that and that's what what Christian churches were doing when they were going into Latin America or in, into Africa or um, into Asia. We were trying to take over everything and maintain power. And the way we could justify it is through the church or through the faith. Right. There's a direct link to proselytizing or missions or whatever you want to call it. It is directly linked to the accumulation of power, wealth. And because it is almost tantamount to robbing and pillaging, I think that there is a very clear negative effect of proselytizing. I think about two things when I think about this, as I've said this quote before on here, when the missionaries came, they had the Bible and we had the land and they said, let us pray. And we closed our eyes. And when we opened our eyes, we had the Bible and they had the land. That sums up like almost perfectly what proselytizing really was. We're going to bring you Jesus Mm -hmm. and we're going to extract your wealth. We're going to extract your minerals and your resources. We're going to extract your land. We're going to extract all of these things. We're going to make you feel like you have had progress or you have been developed or you have had some type of advances because of the Jesus that we gave you. Mm -hmm. And so I got a problem with that. And I think about one of the early missionaries to the continent of Africa, who was actually a black American named Majolo Akbabi, who talked about the challenge of proselytizing because the African was not able to remain authentically African. And if proselytizing happened in a way that it did not strip people of their authentic identity or who they were, you know, but no, we arrive with prayer books and with songs. And in order for you to do this right, you've got to do it this way. There's no way for you to be Christian and African. There's no way for you to accept this Jesus and remain who you are. And I think there's a a tremendous problem with that. Mm -hmm. When you were talking, it was reminding me of the Pray Away episode that we did, right? Because the woman who was in that cult-like Christianity where she was there all of the time, you can't be yourself. You can't be authentic. You have to be this. It is like the example of assimilation, like not even assimilation. We will make you this. You cannot even think about any other way. It is wrong. I learned that about Latin American Christianity as well. I mean, they did the same thing to take away traditional indigenous religions of Latin America, especially the rise of Pentecostalism in Latin America did that because initially the folks there were Roman Catholic. They could find ways of having their ancestral worship integrated into Catholicism. But once the Pentecostal movement happened, this is who you are. You can't look back. So I'm trying to figure out what is at the heart of evangelism outside of what we've already named. What's the goal? I don't have a goal that actually makes it real, but I think for some people, it is not just about getting everybody to hear Jesus. And I've heard this in regards to proselytizing queer folks, is that the entire Christian community depends on everyone being faithful. So if I think you are a bad person, Brandon, because you're queer, then in order for me to be saved, I need you to be saved. That's some messed up stuff. <laughs> Did I? I understand it. I didn't come up with it, nor do I agree with it, but I have heard that before. So my salvation is contingent upon me making sure that you're saved? 
Yes. So why not just believe in a God that already has saved everyone? Why not make salvation a work that's already been completed? Why even have Jesus? What do we do then? In which era should we address that question? Well, you put it wherever you want. Because in the Western hemisphere, Mm -hmm. then you really mess up the slaveholder's belief. That's my intention. (laughs) The The slaveholder's belief that there is equity among God's creation and that God has saved all of us in the same way, then we're all equal in God's eyes or we're all precious in God's sight. And then how, if that's the case, how can one person enslave another person? I think this goes back many, many centuries. Goes all the way back to Constantine, but... Yeah, Constantine and them. You know, I ain't pay attention to that stuff in seminary, but yeah, whatever Katie says. And I think this gets to the heart of Lerato's email. Constantine made everybody Christian because he needed folks to assimilate into the Roman Empire. It wasn't about spreading the message of Jesus. It wasn't about the gospel. It was about the empire sustaining itself. Those Christian people can't be controlled. Those Christian people are too radical. They're too out there. They won't abide by our customs and traditions. I don't know where that Christianity went. It probably died when Constantine absorbed it. He said, let's absorb that culture and tradition and claim that Roman culture, Roman empire is synonymous with Christianity. So now to be Christian or to be Roman means that I have to assimilate into these particular sets of cultural patterns, traditions, practices, and I have to give up my own. I can't be African. I can't be black. I can't be gay. I can't be queer. I can't be trans. I can't be non-gender conforming. I have to abide by this particular set of rules because it's all about control and domination. I don't know who told you it was about Jesus, but that's a farce. I think in American context, these little multicultural, multiracial churches, uh, transracial churches, whatever they want to call themselves, that they're not real because what they're actually inviting people to is whiteness. If there's anything that sounds non-white, non-Western, non-millennial, non-CCM, that's contemporary Christian music for the people in the back. Uh, If there's anything that doesn't sound like that, it's this special moment in the service where the Negroes come and give us a Negro song on the Negro Week each month. And when you make the Negro music or the Negro preacher who comes in Black History Month and it's made this special thing because the gospel choir is going to sing today then you actually don't have a multiracial church. You have ornamental diversity with the white congregation. My God, my God, ornamental diversity. For me, any version of evangelism that requires people to sacrifice, give up their culture, their isness, their humanness, their beingness is not actually what Jesus ever asked you to do. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it to the fullest, have it more abundantly. That's right. This is one of my favorite scriptures and I go back to it all the time. Yeah, it is. So when Jesus invited the disciples, Jesus didn't say, I need all of you to come and be nothing other than disciples. Jesus said, you are a fisher. I would like to make you a fisher of people. Like I think about people who have different gifts in the 21st century. If you're a hacker, if you're a web developer, if you're a tax collector, if you're a banker, if you're an entrepreneur, the question is, what is it about you and your gifts that have put you in that particular career? And I don't think Jesus says, hey, come now be a pastor, come be a rabbi, come be an imam, come be something that's a religious leader because now you've experienced this conversion. It's about how this impacts your isness and your humanness and how you carry out your life. I would describe that as vocation, but that goes back to a different conversation. But I don't think churches do that. I, I think churches think this is what we need to do and let's plug people in. We, we don't get to the heart of who people are. What are your gifts? If you're a fisher, come do this in a church. If you're this, come do this. 
We don't ask for people to use their gifts. We don't ask people to come fully and authentically themselves. I mean, Jesus wasn't stoic all the time or ever. He was angry. He was grieving. He um, experienced love, all of those things. But those, at least in my congregation or my context, um, we're supposed to show up and have our shit together and really not acknowledge the truth of our lives. When you go into a congregation or go into a community and do that, people are shocked. It's totally different than what they experience. Ultimately, evangelism is something that actually strips people of their culture. And typically it's about domination and it's about colonizing a people, oppressing a people. Is there a way to engage in evangelism or proselytization that does not lead to harm? No. The goal should be not to engage in evangelism or proselytizing at all, but to engage in human flourishing, to engage in people living into their authentic selves, being who they genuinely are. The challenge is this whole notion of evangelism and proselytizing. What just happened? Did you just like catch Katie's Latinx bug? Like, are you speaking Spanish? Proselytizing. <laughs> proselytizing. My bad. I love it, though. I love it. <laughs> so that's the challenge is that our idea of sharing the good news is that you conform so that you can receive it. Our idea of sharing the good news. So, right, the gospel, the good news is that Christ has come. And apparently that this sacrifice of Christ, uh, you know, has given everyone this freedom from death because Christ died. Everyone has freedom. But you can only benefit from this if you conform. So the good news is only beneficial to you if you become our version. And oftentimes that's a Western version of what it means to be a follower of Christ, a believer, a Christian. And in order for you to really know what that is, we must teach you. We must show you. We must come and explain what Jesus is and what Jesus means and what God does and how God operates. And, and it's, through the, it's through these words and this liturgy and these prayers and these hymns. And, and if you remain who you are, then you really have not received. You must change. You must be something other than God created you to be. And I just don't think that's the good news. Ain't nothing good about that news. And the message for those folks is to conform, but then they also hype up the personal relationship with Jesus. But if you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you don't know who you are, you are not actually in a relationship with Jesus. I agree with you, Katie. Something about having a personal identity and you can't really know Jesus if you don't know yourself. This is a story that I learned on the African continent. When I was an undergrad, I studied abroad in South Africa and in Botswana. Oh, tell everybody. Oh, you want the people to know you've been somewhere, huh? I'm trying to be like you. I've been in Botswana and I've been here and I've been there. That's how we're going to do today? That's how you want to yeah, do Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Negroes can't tell them nothing. So, <laughs> so we were in Botswana and they were telling us this story about how when the colonizers or the evangelists, the Westerners came to the African continent and started trying to evangelize those in Botswana, they were describing this God and talking about, you need to get to know God. And the people in Botswana said, we know that God, that's Modimo. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, 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 it's not Modimo, it's God. And they're like, no, 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 no. If you're talking about the person who created the earth, if you're talking about the person who's with us, if you're talking about all this stuff, that's Modimo. And the colonizers who thought themselves evangelists got so stuck on G-O-D that they missed the fact that they already had folks who knew who God was by another name. And so we get so stuck on, you got to say it like I say it. You got to wear it like I wear it. You got to live it like I live it. You have to express it how I express it, or it's not 
Christian. It's not faithful. It's like, calm the fuck down. Let's take a moment to have a conversation. Brandon, I'm glad you bring up this point. This is something I thought about earlier when we was discussing this. Like the how insulting is it to the native people to suggest that they don't know God, right? But how insulting is it to God to suggest that God cannot have a relationship with God's creation without your intervention, without your nomenclature, without your theology? My God. You have become the creator and you have made God the creation. Mm -hmm. How cocky. You have become the creator and you have made God the creation. I always say this. God is the one doing the choosing. God is the dominant. We're the recessive. You, you do not control God. You can't. And that's what we do. We say, you know, uh, you must not know God. I got to teach you God. I got to show you God. I got to do all of this stuff. There's so many scriptures that suggest that God is intimately connected to all of God's creation. And so you read you a couple of books and got you a couple of degrees and stole you a few pieces of land. And now you think that God does not exist where you did not exist. But the truth is God has been there the entire time. And just because God don't wear the same kind of shoes you wear or the people don't wear the same kind of shoes you wear doesn't mean that they don't know the God that you know. And that is the arrogance of Western evangelism and proselytizing, the arrogance that you got to take something to somebody they don't already have there and they probably had it before you had it and before you could name it. You're walking heavy preacher. Sick of y'all white folks. I'm sick of black people too because black folks do it as well. That's some internalized white supremacy. Yeah, they picked it up from white people. Shit. I mean, you know, they were taught that. And the white folks trying to drop it now. <laughs> right? The second that we learn it, the white folk like, we don't want to do that no more. Make our church a museum. <laughs> like, make our church a nightclub. Change our church and make it condos. We want the money. We don't care about the church. And they look at us like, we crazy because we still believe in Jesus. I mean, but I even think about a Latin American scholar one time telling a story about how some um, missionaries came into their village and they were talking to this young man and were like, do you know Jesus? And they were like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. That's my neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) He kept saying, yes, that's my neighbor. He get on my nerves. Like, I don't even like Jesus. Like, yes, I know him. And it took the people a second to realize, oh yeah, Jesus, like this is somebody's actual name. But even that, thinking about Jesus as your neighbor, do you know Jesus? And the boy is saying, yes, I know him and he gets on my nerves. How does that reorient and shift your understanding of who Jesus is? Because maybe Jesus get on somebody's nerves. Hmm. But does that make any, that person any less loved, any less human, any less whole? I don't think so. Hmm. So really the question is, back to what Sam was saying, are you the creator? And have you made of the creator a creation? Or is God the creator? Hmm. And you're the creation. One of many creations. Right? Like, you just a part of the puzzle. You're not the only piece. Hmm. My God. That's a shirt. I see that on a shirt. Not the only piece. Katie, translate this for the white people. Ultimately, it, it does come down to exactly what you said that I continue to come back to, Sam. The reality is that we have churches, we have a, a, a brand of Christianity that, as we've said, causes people to become a cookie-cutter human. And the reality is that that can't possibly be what this God of all creation is calling us to be. If it were the case, then probably we wouldn't have all been made in God's image. And so I think the purpose of church is not to bring something and place it upon someone, but it is to come from the inside and to understand the person whom we God created us to be. That is what the church should be doing and empowering people to learn about. So let's take another quick break and then come back and wrap up this conversation because I want to make one more turn and then lead into the invitations. We'll be right back after this. 
Come on, Katie. I wish y'all could just see the way Katie is looking like at the camera, like, there they go again. These niggas. <laughs> I just keep forgetting to practice my my tongue so I well, can. Well, that was, there's no better time than the present. Come on. Now, Katie, speak your tongue, girl. You're not going to be saved. Right. That's probably true. People tell me that all the time anyway. I'm, I'm trying to get you saved. I can't do it on com- command only when the spirit moves within me. Why? Because that's evidence. That's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. You ain't went up Wait in Wait a minute. I'm about to be like Benny Hinn. I'm going to slay you in the spirit through the camera. Yeah, you get ready? your jacket. Go get your jacket. <laughs> you ready? Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see. Yeah, glory. Glory. <laughs> My God. Welcome back from that quick break. So here's how I want to wrap this up today. We already are nearly at 59 minutes and we love to keep it right there really clean and pretty for you. I wanted to do this when we got kind of caught up in the conversation. I wanted to think about why people are so afraid of Lil Nas X and how the Christian folks particularly talk about how he's trying to push the gay agenda. I honestly believe that's a projection. Lil Nas is making music. Lil Nas is creating art. He's not trying to make all your children gay. So maybe what your issue is and why you feel like there's a gay agenda is because You're projecting your own behavior. You're projecting your own mindset onto those on the screen. We're just trying to live. And if you listen to Lil Nas X's album and you listen to the lyrics, you might see that it's a story about a young black man who wasn't allowed to be and wasn't allowed to live because someone proselytized him and told him that who he was wasn't welcome and it wasn't okay. And so that's my invitation for today. And everything you said is what is the problem with proselytizing, right? Everything that you said, you said that you said people are projecting their own image. And I think in a lot of times is exactly what kind of what I tried to characterize. I don't know if I did a really good job talking about those things, but I specifically talked about the problem with proselytizing is it, you, you're not to be authentically who you are. You're not able to live into yourself. And so even that, even that saying, I got a problem with the people hunting on the screen and this and that, but I don't have a problem with heterosexual um, images of affection or love or um, passion, um, you're, you're still proselytizing. You're still, it's not even, it's, it's not even some personal thing that you feel to your core. It's, it's you trying to give people the Jesus that you believe is necessary for them to receive the gospel and to transform themselves. Even if you don't think you believe that you're really that deep of a Christian, right? You're still pulling from something that has been ingrained in you to say, this is the standard. This is the standard for holiness or righteousness, or at least the standard for being a believer or a Christian or a follower, or just for you know, common decency, which is which apparently that guides our society, uh, uh, those Christian values here in this Western world, you're still proselytizing. Almost everything you do, you're still proselytizing. Right. And what happens in that situation is to project this, uh, and perhaps this is what you're referring to as well, Brandon, is I, if I am giving a correction to Lil Nas X, or if I, I'm giving a correction to, I'm not giving a correction to Lil Nas X. We know. We got you. We got you, girl. Yeah, you are you living right in between Little and Lil. You kind of you fuse those two things together. I'm swallowing it a little bit. You swallowing? Don't swallow, girl. Spit. <laughs> <laughs> what I find is that a lot of the people engaging in the you need to be this you can't be that comes out of the fact that they can't find it within themselves and so i can't be this whatever this image is because nobody can because that's not what christianity is or that's not what god's creation is or that's not what anything is 
if I can't match this, then what I got to do is point out all the bad in somebody else who can't who can't match it. But even deeper, and I want to flip these and make them invitations because I think we're all dancing around our invitations already. So look, for these next comments to wrap it up, let's go ahead and flip them and make them invitations. I think what I'm hearing from you, Katie, the issue isn't necessarily that people don't know what this is or who this is or how this is. And I'm, 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 I'm going to make the this that you're talking about God. People, it's, it's that people don't know themselves. Correct. And so they need something beyond themselves to define them because it's not enough for me to say that I'm a black gay man raised in the South. My mama and daddy are Vicky and Tom. My little brother is Braxton. I love Lil Nas X. And to let those things inform how I move about the world. What I need is something other than myself that is holy, and I have no idea what holiness means. Something other than myself that is righteous, and I have no idea what righteousness means. Someone other than myself who is just to define me. I'm always trying to be God-like, Christ-like. But then theologically, you learn in the church that all you are is a sinner, and that you'll never be holy, and that you'll never be righteous, and that only by the blood of Jesus can you even get close to being just. Only God is just. That's what we learn. And so we teach people in churches to hate themselves. And that's not just gay people. And I think that's the issue with Lil Nas X, with Billy Porter, with any other gay person who's bold enough to say, this is who I am. It's like, what do you mean this is who you are? Didn't you learn that you're supposed to hate yourself? Because I hate myself. And so my invitation is to stop hating yourself. The next time that you look at something on the TV, whether that be two men kissing each other, whether that be two women grinding on the ladder at the VMAs, whether it be two heterosexual people sick, grossing you out, whatever that is, don't think about that as what's wrong with them. Think about that with what's being stirred up inside of me. And what ways do I need to come to know myself more fully? Because you can't love God if you don't love yourself. And you sure can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself first. My invitation is that we really try to understand a God that existed before our understanding of anything, right? That we understand a God that is sovereign and that is at the heart of creation itself. And I think when we do that, we don't try to superimpose any of our understanding of God on anyone else because God's identity far outpaces anything that we could ever imagine in our minds. What I mean by that is um, your definition of what it means to be a believer, what it means to be righteous, what it means to be holy, what it means to be Christian, doesn't amount to shit. Like you don't, you don't know anything. And what all the stuff that you do know, you can, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. You don't know shit. As it relates to God, you don't know shit. You can't even begin to know. And that's the thing, like we don't, rec- we don't recognize that because if we ever recognize that it destroys all of our theology, it destroys this foundation. You know, we're uncertain about so many things and we don't want to live in that kind of world. But the truth is you don't know shit about God. And so by you trying to say this is God's standard and this is how you should live and this is what holiness looks like, how do you know? You don't. You don't. And so my invitation to you is come closer to the understanding that you don't know. And to the fact that the only way you can know is by actually knowing yourself. Correct. Now you see, you just took my invitation, but that's all right. Oh, you do, that's all right. Go, girl. I was setting well, you up. I was setting you yeah, up. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, this that, that I was talking about, it still relates, is more this imagination of what the perfect disciple is or what the perfect follower is. But it does have to relate to God. But the God that we know 
is created by the church. It's created by the domination system. It is not created. It's not necessarily who we know it could be, though, through the Bible, because we don't really understand it except through these words and these teachings that we've heard all of our lives. So ultimately, I go back to creation. The God who loves each and every person and has created each and every person unique and special with gifts and passions. And so we come to know God by knowing ourselves. Yes. We come to know God by knowing others who know themselves. Yes. Period. So that's my invitation. Because sometimes Jesus is your neighbor. And sometimes he gets on your nerves. Yeah. And I think all the time. It's not even sometimes. It's every time. Every neighbor. Is your Jesus and every Jesus? Oh my God! I'm about to preach it. That brings us to the end of another episode of Holy Shit Pod. Thank you so much for listening. We love kicking it with you every single Monday. And thank you, Lorato, for the question. If you have a question for the Holy Shit Pod, go ahead and send us an email. And the email address is holyshit at theolabmedia.com. You can also click the purple hexagon in the bottom right-hand corner of our homepage and send a voicemail. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, probably still fangirling over Lil Nas X. Until then. Wait a minute. You ain't going to talk about the Patreon and the money? Oh yeah. Katie, tell them about it. If you like what you're hearing. Wait, why the white woman got to talk? You don't trust me with the money? I want them to think the white woman is broke. The white oh. woman is broke, not the oh, black man. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, we'd love for you to put a little love in the offering plate as it passes. The way to do that is to go to patreon.com forward slash Media. That helps to support the Holy Shit Pod, Healing Jephthah's Daughters, and all the other podcasts that are on their way. We're going to get millions now. <laughs> <laughs> now that was shade. We just need to get Lil Nas X to tithe. Ashe. Yeah, come on. You ain't even got to get a whole 10%. Can we get a half a percent? Half a percent? Give us a half a percent. Because I know he about to be... Yeah. We'll be back next week, y'all. Same time, same place. Until then. Peace. peace. Thanks be to pot. <laughs> 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 <laughs>